And in the second epistle of Peter, second Peter, the third chapter and the 17th verse, we find these words. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Repeat those words after me, please. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then the text says, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Look toward your neighbor and say this one word, grow. grow. Say it to the person on the other side, grow. You may be seated. Grow. There are two basic processes that affect the physical man. First is the process of life, growth, and the process of death. Throughout his life, a man is either growing or dying. As soon as the processes that bring you to full maturity finish their course, then the processes that will carry you to your grave begin their course. When you stop growing, you start dying. Almost everything grows and nothing originates as it is to be. The Bible reveals and observation reveals that God's will and God's plan for the things he loves is growth, development, and progress. And growth is always a miracle. Someone has said when we understand the secret of growth, we will be very close to understanding the secret of life. Vegetable, animal, and human life all have this in common. All of them grow. There are many words to describe those things that do not grow. Runt, midget, dwarf, mannequin, shrimp, and so on. And these words only indicate that plants, animals, and humans are expected to experience a period of growth. And that something is wrong when they do not grow. Growth, progress, development are embedded in the very heart of humanity. In the area of science, technology, men are striving to reach new heights of excellence. And so each year they go faster, each year they go higher, each year they go farther. They invent new machines and processes that make new and great achievements possible. In the area of business, in the area of industry, mammoth efforts are being launched 
to increase sales, to increase production, to increase profit, to increase organizational size. And they consider themselves to have failed unless some growth takes place in every year. And there's something about a real man and a real woman that not only makes them want to grow physically, but also makes them want to grow mentally and intellectually and materially. This is why Manzini said that the moral law of the universe is progress. And every generation that passes idly over the earth without adding to that progress will remain, remain uninscribed on the register of humanity. And succeeding generations will trample its ashes in the dust. Margaret Fuller said, I'm suffocated and lost when I don't have the feeling of progress. Someone else said one should strive to extract from each day and each week and each year its bounty of wisdom, knowledge, and experience. Every day you ought to be further along. Every week you ought to make progress. You ought to be able to attain more, grow higher, reach further, do more, have increased resources. Every day you ought to save a little something and set it aside so that you'll have more money tomorrow than you did today and next year than you do now. One of the most tragic things in life is for a person to have no ambition, no desire to improve his or her lot. Every person ought to have goals and objectives for their lives. Determine what you'd like to be and have and do in five years or in 10 years or even in one year and start working toward that objective. Stop waiting on something to drop out of the sky on your head. Prepare yourself. Start working toward your goal, toward your objective. It may be difficult and you may not reach your objective. You may not reach the star that you're aiming for, but even if you miss that star, at least you'll be among the stars and much higher than you were when you made your beginning. You don't get to the top overnight. It's a long, hard pull. But don't worry about what you can't do, just do what you can do. And tomorrow will take care of itself. So the text says, grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One of the fantastic things about the early church was its phenomenal growth. In Acts 2.41, the Bible says, they that received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Then in Acts 2.47, the Lord added to the church daily those being saved. In Acts 4, 4, many of them that heard the word believed. The number of the men was about 5,000. Acts 5, 14, and believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women. Acts 6 and 7, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased and multiplied greatly, and a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. 
Acts 11 and 21, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Acts 14 and 1, a great multitude, both of the Jews and also the Greeks believed. Acts 16 and 5, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Acts chapter 17 and verse 4 informs us that some of the Jews believed Paul's preaching, and the Greeks a great multitude. Acts 18 and 8, and Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians, having believed, were baptized. And Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, verse 31, that the kingdom of God is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth, but when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs and 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 shoots out with great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. The New Testament church was a growing church. I said the New Testament church was a growing, thriving, and active church. It was a church that loved the teaching of the ministers of the gospel. It was a fellowshipping church. It was a praying church. It was a unified church. It was a giving church. It was a praising church. It was a growing church. God help our church always to be a growing church. We have 12,000 churches in the Church of God in Christ, and when I was Bishop of Southern California, I presided over 250 churches of God in Christ in Southern California. I went to one church that had 19 members. Their pastor had died, and as Bishop, it was my responsibility to go to them and assist them in finding a new pastor, and I was telling them about the kind of pastor that they needed, one who would preach the gospel and one who would bring in souls into the kingdom, one that would lead them out into the community to win souls and bring men to Jesus Christ. And I said, soon this church will have hundreds of members and it'll grow and it'll be dynamic and it'll be a blessing. And one little old lady kind of stood up and said, Bishop, we're kind of happy the way we are. We've got 19 members and we know one another and we have just a real good time together and every week we come together and oh, it's so nice to be with our friends and we just kind of like it the way we are. No challenge about outreach. No challenge about winning souls. No challenge about impacting the community. Well, I gave them a minister who was better than they deserved but after a while that little church was totally out of existence. If you don't grow, you will die. If you don't develop, you will not thrive. And there are people who don't want the church to grow. They don't like to see sinners saved. There are people who are just satisfied to know everything and everybody and about everything. And they'd rather be a big fish in a little pond than to be just a fish in the sea. But how many of you know ponds have a way of drying up? Too many folk are lost in sin for the church to be satisfied not to grow. Too many people are going to hell for the church to be satisfied not to grow. Our world is making a shipwreck and we can't be satisfied not to get people off drugs, get people out of alcoholic addiction, get people out of sin and out of pain, out of distress, out of misery. Our God is too great for us to stink small. We've got a great God. He flung the stars against the blackness of the night. He created the sun and the moon. And if we've got a great God like that who raised up Jesus from the dead, we can believe our God for something great. 
Hallelujah. And so growth, development, and progress seem to be the theme of the book of 2 Peter from which we've read. In the second verse of the letter, he said to his readers, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And so there you have multiplication. And when you have multiplication, you have increase. Amen? And then he talks about some addition. For in chapter 1, verse 5, he encourages us to add to our faith virtue and add to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity. And he said, if these things be in you and abound, they will make you that you'll neither be barren are unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. And so faith and virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity, these are known as the seven Christian graces. And Peter encourages us to add one to the other until we have them all at work in our lives. But he said, add them to one another and multiply all the goodness and the grace of God in your life. And so these always result in progress and they result in growth. They result in development. And Peter reminds them that their focus ought be on the things of God. For it says in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 11, all these things shall be dissolved. And what manner of persons you ought to be in all holy conversation and in all godliness. And then in verse 18 of chapter 3, he says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. How many of you know that everything we see will one day no longer exist. Even the scientists and environmentalists are saying that, listen, unless we take care of this earth of ours, it's going to overheat. It's going to burn in fervent heat. The water, level of the water is going to rise to such a degree that it'll be possible to have life as we know it on the face of the earth. Those who are trying to stop the development of bombs in Iran and who are looking at the atomic society and the nations on the world that have atomic power, there are enough bombs on the earth now to obliterate all life on the face of the earth. And so the Bible is not so by itself in saying that one day all of this is going to melt with fervent heat. The Lord will bring time to an end and this earth on which we live will no longer exist as we know it. And Paul said, since this earth is so filled with swift transition and nothing unmoved on earth shall stand, you'd better build your hopes on things eternal and hold to God's unchanging hand. Don't reach out for the things of this earth, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so standing still is not an option that we can consider. This is why Coleridge said, if a man is not rising upward, depend on it, he is sinking downward. 
all that is human must retrogress if it does not progress. And so the apostle informs us that the alternative to being led away with the error of the wicked and falling from our steadfastness is to grow. You've got to grow. You've got to grow. It's not enough to come to the altar, accept the Lord Jesus, and then leave the altar having accepted him and never grow in him, never develop in him, never mature in him. There are so many immature believers who accepted the Lord and they've never read a page of the Bible since they accepted the Lord. They've never prayed for an hour in their lives. If you ask them to find the book of Genesis, they'd look in the New Testament. They've accepted the Lord. They were sincere when they came to the altar, but they did not realize that it is necessary once you accept the Lord Jesus to grow in him into the full stature of his will and plan for your life. So someone might say, well, preacher, what are you talking about? How do I know that a person is spiritually mature? What are the signs of spiritual maturity? Sign number one, stability. Stability. Paul said, be not like children, tossed to and fro by every wind and doctrine. When you're mature, you're not tossed to and fro. You're not easily confused. You're not pulled in this direction and in that direction. You're kind of like an old dog. You know, we've had many puppies in our family when we had our children were at home. And, and you know, they, every little puppy they could find, they'd bring him home and and every once in a while, we'd buy a puppy from them. But we lost almost all our puppies because somebody would come by talking or whistling. The little puppy would think that he was talking to him and he'd squeeze through the gate or under the fence and go off following whoever it was. They never gave him any dog food, never provided anything. And they wouldn't even stop and really look at him once he got out. They'd just keep on going. But he was so lost, he would never find his way back home. But we got some old dogs, too, that, that we never lost. And, and, and old dogs would kind of, you know, just lay around the yard, and somebody would come to the fence, call him, and he might let his tail fall from one side to the other. But that's about all he would do. He never, because an old dog knows where the dog food comes from. <laughs> an old dog knows where home is. And a mature believer knows where the action is and knows where his life ought to be lived, knows where he has made a commitment to live his life, and he's stable. And so not only is a mature person stable, but a mature person is durable. They don't give up easily. Children will give up if they don't succeed at a test. They don't have a long um, patience, a tolerance. They, they, they will try to do something or focus on something for a moment, but pretty soon they'll turn their attention and go on to something else. But a mature person will not stop until he's reached the goal, until he's reached the objective. He will stand solid, firm, not easy to turn away from the goal and objective. Galatians 6 and 9 says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So a mature person is durable. A person who is mature uh, has stability. And then three, a person who is mature is patient and attendant. They have patience. They're not 
impatient. Children can't wait for Christmas. As soon as one passes by, they're looking for the next one. And they're telling you in December 28th what they want for the next Christmas. They, they, they're not patient. They, they're always looking and reaching and striving for something new. But a person who's mature knows how to wait, knows how to endure and be attendant. The Bible says, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. And when you're mature spiritually, you know how to have patience. You know how to be attendant to the Lord, and you don't turn your attention away from him just because he does not answer you immediately. You're able to say that, that he may not come when you want him, but, but he'll be right on time. You're able to say, like Job, all the days of my appointed time, I'm going to wait until my change comes. Some of you are upset and worried and excited about something that you want God to do for you. And the Lord has said, not now, in my time, I will do it. And sometimes the Lord waits until it's too late just so he can get the glory. Amen. Amen. Lazarus was sick. Jesus said he's not sick enough. Lazarus died. Jesus said he's not dead enough. Lazarus had been dead for four days. And his family said to Jesus, you're too late. Jesus said, I never get started until it's too late. Lazarus, come forth from the grave. And Lazarus came out alive and well. Child of God, you need to know you can't hurry God. You just have to wait. You've got to trust him and give him time. No matter how long it takes, he's a God you can't hurry, but he'll come. Don't worry. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be right on time. And when you're mature, you know how to wait. Keep on believing God. Keep on trusting God. Another sign of maturity is discipline and responsibility. You're able to accept responsibility and you've disciplined yourself. You've disciplined your heart. You've disciplined your mind. Paul said, I keep under my body and I bring it under subjection. Lest when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. And the Bible says that he that ruleth over his own spirit is greater than he that takes a city. Listen, you may talk about how wise you are, how great you are, how many things you can do, how much you've accomplished in life, but do you have control of yourself? Are your passions, your lust, your flesh, your mind, your spirit in control? Are you under subjection to Jesus Christ? When you are mature, you're disciplined and you're responsible. When you're mature, number five, you are a self-giving person. Children are selfish. They're reaching for this, reaching for that, always concerned about themselves, what I want, what I need, give me this, give me that. They're not inclined to make long, elaborate plans that they might bless those who are around them or give to their parents. They receive from their parents, but after a while, as they begin to grow more mature, 
they began to share and to give. And as they began to grow more mature, they become fruitful and productive. The sign of a physically mature person is that that person is able to be re to reproduce. It might not be that they are mentally mature, but a sign of a physically mature person is that they're able to be productive and that they're able to bring forth fruit. But we try to restrain our children because of their immaturity from getting ahead and we try need to restrain some grown folk from getting married and going off in, into life because they're too immature also because though they may be able to bring forth offspring and bring forth fruitfulness, they don't have the other characteristics of maturity that they need and they get married and stay for one week and at the end of that week they want to get out of the marriage and marry somebody else and then the next week they're married still a second or a third person and they're not committed, they're not responsible, they're not patient, they're not enduring. Would somebody please help me? How did I get off that? But you know that a tree is mature because a tree is fruitful. Because the tree can produce. Jesus said, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he takes it away. And women come and they cast it in the fire. But every branch that bears fruit, the Father prunes it that it might bring forth more fruit. And I've chosen you. You've not chosen me, but I've chosen you that you might go and that you might bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain and that whatever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he will give it unto you. Get the connection. I want you to be fruitful. And if you are fruitful, what you ask in my name, I will give it unto you. In other words, if you've got fruitfulness, then I will bless you even more. You know the one that buried his talent and the others doubled the talents that the Lord had given to them? He said to the one that buried his talent and had nothing to give to the master in terms of an increase, the master said, take the talent from him and give it to the one that has 10 talents and he will have in abundance. And of course we would say, Lord, he's already got 10. What are you giving him another talent for also? But the Lord would say, when I'm doing kingdom business, I'm going to invest in those who are fruitful. I'm going to invest in those that are productive. I'm going to invest in those that are bringing forth increase for the kingdom of God. And I will take stuff from folk who don't know what to do with it. And I'll give it to folk who know what to do with it. That my name might be glorified. That my kingdom might increase. I don't want God to take my stuff away. And so I'm going to take whatever I've got and use it for the glory of God. I want to see increase. I want to see growth. I want to see development. Child of God, you don't get from God by begging from God. You get from God by being fruitful, by being productive. And when the Lord sees you giving, and when the Lord sees you being fruitful, and when the Lord sees you being productive, the Lord says, let me get something into their hands so they can do more. Let me get something into their hands so they can give more. Let me get something into their hands so that more souls can be saved. Let me get something in their hands so that my name can be glorified in all the earth. Clap your hands and give praise to God. He came upon a fig tree that had leaves and no fruit and he cursed that fig tree because it bore no fruit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I've told you what the signs of maturity are. Let me just close. Y'all don't want to hear no more preaching, but I'll get through here pretty soon. 
let me t- give you some aids to spiritual growth. Some techniques, some strategies, some things that you can involve in your life that will help you to grow. Well, number one, in order to physically grow, you've got to be born. Said you've got to be born. There's a time when a baby can grow in its fetus form in the womb no more. He has to be born because unless he's born, the, the, the womb will contain him and restrain him and other, ultimately it will kill him. The only way that baby can grow is that that bird baby must be born. He must come out uh, of the womb and be in life and breathe and eat and begin to grow and develop. And in the same sense, the only way you can grow in Jesus Christ is to be born in Jesus Christ. There's so many who are trying to grow for him, live for him, praise him, serve him, and they've never, ever really been born again. Confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If any man be in Jesus Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. This is not a philosophy. It's not a set of doctrines that you accept and that you believe. You are accepting the Lord Jesus himself into your life and that's the only way you can really be born again through Jesus Christ. He said to Nicodemus, unless you're born of the water and of the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so it's a spiritual transaction that takes place when you accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and then you're born. But unless you're born in that way, then you cannot grow in the Lord Jesus Christ because you've got to be born to grow. But not only must you be born uh, to grow, not only must you have the new birth experience, but you've got to feed the right person if you are to grow. I said feed the right person. You've got to feed the spirit man. Feed the spirit man the word of God. Feed the spirit man prayer. Feed the spirit man the presence of God. Feed the spirit man worship with the people of the Lord. Feed the spirit man those things that are beautiful, those things that are good, those things that are virtuous, those things that are of good report, those things that are praiseworthy. You've got to feed the spirit man all those kinds of things and you've got to feed him day by day and moment by moment. As you feed the spirit man, he stands up and grows and develops and becomes stronger. But if you feed the man of the flesh instead, inappropriate literature, inappropriate conversation, wicked thoughts, wicked involvements, sinful involvements. If you feed the physical man those things that do not develop you spiritually, if you feed the physical man sins and those kinds of things that no person should become involved in, if you starve the spirit man and feed the physical man the absence of the word of God and carnal conversations and carnal involvements, then the physical man, the man of the flesh begins to grow and to stand up and to take charge and to rule over your life. This is why so many cannot endure for God. They've been feeding the physical man and starving the spirit man and the spirit man has no strength, no might, no vitality, no ability to stand up for the things that pertain to God. But oh, if you feed that spirit man. Hallelujah. Run through troops and leap over mountains. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Mount up on wings like eagles. Run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. Hallelujah. 
When that spiritual man is strong, there's nothing that can stop you, nothing that can block you. You can say with the Apostle Paul, I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. Hallelujah. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Come on, clap your hands and praise the Lord. This is why we try to get you into worship. This is why we try to get you into praise. This is why we try to get you in touch with God because that spirit man needs to be nourished and he's kind of like a battery that runs down if he's disconnected too long from the source of power. But when you plug in to Jesus through worship, praise, through magnifying his name. Hallelujah. Great things began to happen in your life when you feed the spirit man. There's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. As the heart panteth for the water brook, so pants my soul for thee, O God. My soul is thirsty for the living God. Are there any thirsty people in the house? Hallelujah. 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 The third aid to spiritual growth is the Word of God. You've got to know the Word of God. You'll never know who you are until you read the Word of God. You'll never know what you can do until you read the Word of God. You'll never know what God can do for you until you read the Word of God. And the Bible says you err not knowing the scriptures and not knowing the power of Almighty God. But when you know the word of God, you can turn to the word and see what thus saith the Lord. And you can tell folk, I don't care what you say, but God said everything's going to be all right. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. You need to know the word. You need to love the truth. You need to know how to pray. Hallelujah. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. And oh, what needless pains we bear. All because we do not carry everything, everything to God in prayer. I'm ready to stop. But Jude said, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. The Word of God is the foundation of our faith. And you cannot go higher if you're not on a firm foundation. But when you're built on the truth of the Word of God, you can build upwards and go higher and higher. And so Jude said, you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying, Prayer is the key to the kingdom and faith unlocks the door. So he said you've got to build on your faith but then you've got to pray. But not only do you have to pray but he said pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. In other words, pray until you enter into the realm of the Holy Spirit. In other words, if you are to grow you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Anybody in here who's Holy Ghost filled? Hallelujah. John the Baptist said, there comes one after me. I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. 
and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And he said to the disciples, go to Jerusalem and tarry until you are endued with power from on high. For you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. When Jesus ascended back to heaven, the disciples went up in the upper room and they waited on the promise of the Father. Nothing happened on the first day. Nothing happened on the fifth day. But on the tenth day, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they heard a sound like as of a rushing mighty wind. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And they sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Jesus had said, I've got to depart because if I don't depart, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Jesus who loves you. Jesus who died for you. Jesus who wants you to make it said don't start work until you get filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to send him and I'm here to tell you today that he has sent him. The Holy Ghost is in the room. The Holy Ghost is the promise of God the Father. Jesus said I send the promise of the Father upon you. Would you raise your hand and say Lord you promised me the Holy Ghost. Tell him again, Lord, you promised me the Holy Ghost. The promise is unto you. Simon Peter said, it's unto your children and it's unto as many as the Lord our God shall call. Hallelujah. God will keep his promise. And I've just come to tell you that the Spirit of the Lord is all over this room today. The Holy Ghost is here right now. Come on, let's welcome him. Praise him. Praise him. Hallelujah. The power is here. The comforting presence is here. The might of God is here. The ability and power of God is here. And you receive it by faith. For the Bible says that you might receive the promise of the Father through faith. Faith reaches into a world that cannot be seen with the natural eye. Faith grasps hold to the promise of God with hands that are not physical. Faith stands on the word of God. And faith does not wait until the promise is received. Faith praises God and thanks God that the promise is on the way. Faith does not wait until the battle is over. Faith praises God now and praise and thanksgiving are the language of faith. I said praise and thanksgiving are the language of faith. If you believe that the Holy Ghost is for you, if you believe that the Holy Ghost is here right now, if you believe 
that the promise is from God. You began to praise him. Thank him. Hallelujah. 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 Stand up everybody, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for maturity. Thank you for taking me higher. Thank you for your power in my life. Thank you that this is not a dream. Thank you, it's real. It's real. Thank you that you're helping me. Thank you, you're lifting me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. 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 Everybody on your feet, lift up your hands. Begin to praise God in your own way. Begin to thank Him for all that He's done. Thank you, Lord, for life. Thank you for health, for strength. Thank you, Lord. You're good to me. You're God of the earth. You're God of heaven. Fill me with your spirit. Give me your power. 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 Come on, come on, come on. I praise you, I magnify you, I glorify you, I bless your name, I glorify you, I bless your name, I glorify you, I bless your name, I praise you, I lift you up, I thank you, I bless you, I thank you. Hallelujah. 
I want to pray for somebody. I want to pray for somebody who's not saved. I want to pray for somebody who's not accepted Jesus as Lord. Who's not been really born again. You've been concerned about spiritual things, about your relationship with God, but you've not really surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus. You've not allowed his spirit to come in and dwell in your life, in your heart, in your soul. You're not sure that were you to die today, you'd see the face of the Lord in peace. And so if you've got to grow in God, you've got to be born in God. And I want you to have this opportunity today to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the one that died for you, the one that arose from the dead, wants to take up residence in your life. If you're here today and you would say, preacher, pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I'll pray for you, but I need to know that you desire prayer for salvation, that you recognize and admit your need for God and your need for forgiveness. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you would say, preacher, pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to give my life to the Lord Jesus. I'll pray for you, but I need you to lift your hand as your way of saying, preacher, pray for me, include me. I want to be saved. I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want Jesus to be my Savior. I want him to come into my life. I want my sins forgiven. I want to be sure that things are well and right between me and God. If that's you, lift that hand. Lift it high. Every eye is closed. Every head is bowed. Lift that hand. Lift it high. This is your day, your time. Pray for me, preacher. I need Jesus. You never know when you'll have another opportunity. This may be the last gospel message you'll ever hear. The last opportunity you'll ever have to accept Jesus in a house of prayer, in a church. Lift that hand. Hold it high if that's you. In the name of Jesus. Dear Lord, I pray for every uplifted hand. Everybody in this room that said, I need Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. I want to make sure that things are right and well between me and God. Thank you, dear Lord, that you let them live to this day when they would accept you. Thank you that you've brought them here, not by accident, but by your divine providence. You brought them into the house of the Lord and your spirit reaches out to them. Even now, you've drawn them to yourself. They will never, ever again be the same. You will forgive them. You will save them. You will transform their lives and they will grow into maturity by your power and by your word. Everyone repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I have been. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he arose from the dead. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior and I give my life to him and I thank you Lord I thank you Lord I am forgiven I thank you Lord I'm saved I thank you Lord I have new life 
Come on, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Come on, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. 